Somebody go ahead and shout it out tonight. You ought to take this opportunity in the middle of the week to lift your voice and testify of the goodness of God in your life tonight. Woo! Come on, if you know the enemy's defeated, give him a praise tonight. If you know that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper, give him a praise tonight. Come on, if you know the devil is under your feet, you ought to do a little dance in this place tonight. If you know you've got Holy Ghost power, you ought to shout for just a moment all over this house tonight. Hallelujah. My dance will cross Satan under somebody ought to sing it tonight what you say
been dead, but I'm in the house of God. I should be six feet under, but I'm giving God the praise. I shouldn't even be here, but my feet are standing on. Hey! Somebody give him a praise. on the way to your seat tell him it's only Tuesday but I'm already victorious this week Woo! hallelujah are you thankful to be able to come into the house of God and feel what we feel in this sanctuary tonight amen amen I am so excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight we want to take a brief moment to Welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Rock Church, can I borrow your hands and your voice for just a moment? Would you help me make some noise? We could do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Amen. We're so excited that you joined us for Tuesday night here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers on the banks of the beautiful Caloosahatchee River in downtown Fort Myers, the city of not only Palms, but the city of revival. Woo! We're glad you're here tonight. Amen. So good to see Brother Logan Hutchinson with us tonight from Bradenton. Would you help me give him a hand clap of welcome? Amen. And uh, we're thankful for what the Lord is doing Sunday Michael was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. He's here tonight giving God the praise. Somebody ought to give God a great big hand clap of praise and welcome Brother Michael into the house of the Lord tonight. God's doing great things in his life. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, this uh, last week I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma for Peak Youth Conference. 
And uh, on Thursday night, as the preacher was preaching, he was preaching about the expansion of territory in the kingdom of God. And I'm just going to tell you, it is like God pulled back a curtain and I began to see wave after wave of young adults in the Rock Church of Fort Myers just being birthed and coming in. I'm telling you, there is a revival in the young adults of this city. Anybody ready for the harvest tonight? Woo! Tell your neighbor, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get your Bible study chart ready. Get your soul winning shoes ready. Get ready to love somebody. Get ready to disciple somebody. Come on, get ready to pray for somebody. Get ready to fast for somebody. I wish I had a church in the building tonight. Get ready, get ready. Get ready to stop doing everything just for yourself uh, and get your hands in the kingdom of God. Get ready, get ready. Get... Hallelujah. God's doing great big things and we are so excited about it tonight. Uh, want to also remind you that this Sunday, shout this Sunday, is fifth Sunday, which means it's friends and family day this Sunday here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. And uh, it's going to be an absolute Holy Ghost party on Sunday right here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. And so not only do we want you to make sure that you're here, but we want you to grab everybody you can and get them to the house of the Lord on Sunday. Uh, if it's not illegal or immoral, do whatever you got to do to go get them to church. Amen, somebody. Amen. Bribe them, give them five bucks, put them in a headlock, whatever you got to do, get them to the house of the Lord on Sunday. Amen. And uh, how many of you know Jesus said, compel them to come? I might just stop and preach here for a moment. How many of you know it's the will of God to have a full house? Jesus don't like empty seats. Come on, somebody. He said, you go out in the highways, go out in the byways, uh, grab them wherever you can until my house is full of people. Amen. And so this Sunday is going to be an awesome, awesome time in the Holy Ghost. Listen, I'm going to let you in on a little preview secret uh, brother Stewart is cooking jambalaya no 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 y'all shout does not match what's about to happen here on Sunday with the food brother Stewart is going to be making some homemade Louisiana jambalaya Woo! make you want to slap your mama don't try it, though. She'll just slap you right back. It's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome food, fun, fellowship, and a great time in the Holy Ghost. You don't want to miss that. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord tonight, the book of Judges. Chapter 16 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me tonight. Uh, there you will find my assignment. And uh, I... I want to take an opportunity tonight. I felt the Lord impressing this so strong uh, upon my spirit. And I want to uh, preach something, teach something tonight that 
I have approached before, uh, but when I went back and looked at some of my notes, I realized that I never had the opportunity to finish. It was one of those times that we got started and the Holy Ghost took us down a trail and we never got back to it. And so t t tonight I want to do my best uh, to give you what the Lord has laid upon my heart. And uh, uh, I am, I'm not sure if I'm going to be preaching or teaching or doing both. You've heard me often say that uh, teaching is more information-centric and preaching is more inspiration-centric. And every time you preach, there's a little bit of teaching in it. And every time you teach, there's a little bit of preaching in it. And uh, oftentimes when we are teaching, we will use an expository method of preaching whereby we break down line upon line, precept upon precept, there a little, there a little. But then sometimes we, uh, we use an approach called topical preaching where we take a topic that, that the Lord would have us look at and we gather scriptures throughout the Bible that... Uh, revealed to us truths about his word and so tonight is more of a topical approach to the word of the Lord uh, but I believe God has something for us in here tonight amen and if you'll help me preach teach we'll go a lot faster tonight tell your neighbor preaching uh, some y'all looking at me tell your neighbor preaching is not a spectator sport how many of y'all going to get with the preaching tonight? Judges chapter 16, verse number 6, says, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Just a word of advice, young man. If a young lady ever asks you that question, run. Verse 16 says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death I could preach about the power of conversation that he told her all his heart and said unto her there hath not come a razor upon mine head for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb and if I be shaven then my strength will go from me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. 
And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And for a few moments tonight, I, I simply want to preach from this thought. Beware of tired. Beware of tired. Would you put your Bibles down and clap your hands one more time all over this sanctuary tonight. Come on, let's give God a praise for his word in this house. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to begin before I get into the meat of what I feel like God wants me to say. Lay a little bit of a foundation and context for this story. We can learn a little bit about Samson in the scriptures even though Samson is not an obscure character of the Word of God, as a matter of fact, he is uh, so popular that if I was to do a word association with you right now when I say the name Samson, most people would immediately come back with words like strong, mighty, powerful, uh, the image that is conjured up in our head most of the time when we think of the name Samson is of a heavily muscled specimen of a man that is a brute of strength. But I, I believe contrary tonight that there was probably nothing significant about Samson's physical appearance. The scripture is very plain to let us know that anything associated with strength in Samson's life had to do with his consecration to God and the spirit of the Lord coming upon him. I believe that Samson, if you looked at him, was probably very ordinary in stature. But they knew that there was something uh, about his commitment uh, to God. Can I just stop and preach there for a moment tonight? Uh, that people can tell uh, when somebody is consecrated to God. There is a power that comes to the life of somebody who is living in relationship uh, and submission to God. They may not look like much. Uh, they may not have special clothes. Uh, they may not be very attractive, but baby, uh, if they know how to pray, uh, you better be careful about messing with them. Uh, they may not have it all according to the world, uh, but if they've got to walk with God, uh, you best believe uh, that they are a threat uh, to the kingdom uh, of hell. Tell somebody I'm a secret weapon and you don't even know it. Samson was the 12th judge of Israel. He was the son of Manoah. And Samson 
according to the commitment of his parents, was a Nazarite from birth. And the Bible is very clear to allow us to see the fact that there is a particular proclivity that Samson has. He developed an affinity for Philistine women. And I believe that the word of the Lord gives us some insight here in the scripture because the Bible says that his parents lived in a place called Zorah. And if you were to do a little geographical study, you would find that Zorah is located uh, almost on the border between where the Israelites were at uh, and the land of the Philistines. You must know tonight that the Philistines were mortal enemies of God's people. They were haters of one God believers. And they represented everything that was against the statutes and the laws of God. And so I don't know about you, but if I was living in covenant with God and raising my children... I could think of better places to build my house uh, than on the borderline between God's land uh, and the enemy's land. Uh, I could take a minute to preach here for a moment tonight uh, about the foolishness of parents uh, who raised their children uh, on the borderlines of the kingdom of God. Uh, I could take a few moments tonight to preach uh, about the foolishness of families uh, that build their house in their lives uh, on the borderline of the kingdom of God. Uh, what is the border? The borderline is uh, how far can we get? Uh, how far can we get to the extremities uh, of the kingdom of God? And uh, how close can we get to the world uh, without technically uh, being in uh, the world? How how far can we push the line? Uh, what kind of content? Uh, can we watch in our home and uh, entertain ourselves with uh, without it technically being a movie uh, or without it technically being a uh, Hollywood? I, I know that the, that the line is set over here, but uh, how, how short is short and, and how long really uh, is long and, uh, and how modest uh, is modest uh, really? Can I preach to you for a moment uh, that Samson's parents uh, had an ideology uh, that said we can live next to the world uh, and while they may have been able to survive it uh, in the end their son paid the price uh, in the end their son uh, fell in love with the Philistine young lady how did this happen because he had such easy access to it Perhaps their front door was closer to the land of the Philistines than it was the tabernacle of God. And it was so convenient for him to have friends with the Philistines more than it was for him to have friends. Uh, could I preach to some people in the building uh, that somewhere you better get a revelation uh, that you don't just live by lines. Uh, you better get a revelation of precepts uh, in the kingdom of God.
You see, the line is where God has, has either in his word or by the authority of the man of God said, this is where the line is. This is as far as we go. This is the border. This is the safety. But behind every line, Sister Tabitha, is a precept. A line isn't a control mechanism. Behind the line, there is a revelation. Why is the line there? Because on the other side of the line uh, are things uh, that are against the principles of God. Uh, on the other side of the line uh, are things that want to steal your virtue. Uh, on the other side of the line uh, are things that want to steal uh, your walk with God. Uh, on the other side, I wish I had a church in here tonight. Uh, on the other side of the line uh, is a life of sin uh, that will drag you out of the presence of God. And when you get focused on the line instead of the precept, then you're always trying to figure out how close to the line can I live. Can I preach to somebody tonight? I'm not interested in living on the edge. I'm not interested in living on the line. But I want my house and my family to be built well within the boundaries of the kingdom of God. I'm not trying to get closer to the world. I'm trying to get closer to Jesus. I'm not living by the bare minimums. I want to know how much more I can do for God. I'm not, oh, I wish I had a preaching church in the building. Lines and precepts. When all you do is live by lines, lines are rules, but precept is revelation. When you get a revelation, the line isn't even that important to you anymore because you have an understanding of the why behind it. Why don't we have a television in our home? That's not just a line, but the precept is that David and his word declares, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. The precept and the revelation is, is that, the, the, that Hollywood and the propaganda of the world has used that medium as a way of controlling the thoughts and the mind. Come on, I'm preaching to you in the building tonight. You better get to a place, man, woman of God, where you're not raising your babies to find where the line is and see how close they can get. You might survive it, but your babies are going to pay the price. Woo. I feel like the Holy Ghost has me stuck here for a moment. Somewhere you've got to move in your walk with God from duty to devotion. Duty is the have-tos. But devotion is the get-tos. And somewhere you have to shift in your walk with God uh, that this isn't about what I have to do uh, or what I can't do. Uh, this is about what I get to do. Uh, I get to live for God. Uh, I get to be a child of God. Uh, I get to live in freedom. Uh, I get to live free from the world. Uh, I get to experience the joy uh, of the Holy Ghost. 
I, I just feel like drawing a line in the sand tonight. Uh, mom and dad, uh, if the conversations of your home uh, are always centered uh, around challenging the borders uh, and challenging the lines uh, and questioning the borders, uh, you are in a dangerous place uh, with your family. Uh, it could be that you're building your house uh, in Zora. It could be that you've got your babies uh, camped right outside the reach uh, and the influence uh, of the Philistines in your life. This isn't even part of my message. I just, and so, and so this is the case. He's raised in Zora on the border of the Philistines. And so it's no surprise when he comes home and he says, I want a Philistine wife. It's no surprise. That's what he's been raised with. That's what they've put in front of him. That's what they've normalized. And you can see the dichotomy of his parents as they argue with him and say, Son, is there not a woman amongst your own people that would suffice? Hey, Mom and Dad, it's too late when you raise them their whole life in a household of compromise. Don't be surprised when they walk outside the line as adults. Uh, come on, I'm preaching to you right now. Uh, ooh, I may never get back to my notes or the rest of this message tonight. Some of us feel like we can play with sin in our homes. Like we have it under control. And it's like a baby python. Oh, look how cute it is. It, it won't hurt me. Look at, look at it. It ain't nothing. It ain't no big deal. But that thing's growing. And it's growing and it's growing and one day it's going to come after you uh, it's going to come after your family you can't play little sins grow up to be big sins Come on, I'm preaching to some families tonight. Uh, don't wait until your babies are teenagers. Uh, and now you're wondering why they don't want to come to a prayer meeting. Uh, and now you're struggling with why they don't come to an altar. Uh, why don't they want to pray? Uh, because they've been desensitized uh, from social media and the Hollywood movies you've allowed them to. Come on, I'm preaching to you right now. Uh, why don't they want to come uh, and be a part of what God's doing? Because you raised them. In the land of Zora, next to the Philistines. And what you do in moderation, your kids will do in excess. Son, couldn't, couldn't you find a girl that was living for God? I'm not really attracted to those girls, mom and dad. Why? Because the Philistines have defined what beauty is to me. I'm not really attracted to that, Mom and Dad. My definition of beautiful is different than yours. Uh, they got theirs from God. Uh, he got his from the Philistines uh, that Mommy and Daddy raised him next to. Uh, come on, I'm preaching. You know what? 
You know what? God's given us a whole lot of babies being born in this house uh, and children that have been born. And uh, there's toddlers and babies all over this place and babies in wombs all over this room. Uh, I'm preaching to some young parents in the building. Uh, it, the time is now uh, for you to get a hold of God in your house. Uh, the time is now uh, for you to establish uh, some sacred things in your home. Uh, come on, don't you wait until later on. Uh, don't you think that it's not affecting your child uh, right now. Uh, you better make up in your mind. Uh, I, I Come hell or high water, uh, I'm not going to let the world uh, grab a hold of my baby uh, and my children. He, the Bible says that he falls in love that's what the author wrote, at least, with Delilah. Now, let me stop here long enough to say this. So many times what we call love is not love. As defined by the word of the Lord. Give me an example, preacher. I'm glad you asked. For example, oh, I love her. I just can't wait to be with him. No, no, that, you, you're not, you, you got some, some things that need to get worked. I can't wait. I, I got my heart. You know what? I know immediately that's not love, it's lust. You know why? Because the first thing the scripture says is love is patient. I wish I had a Bible reading church in the building. Uh, love uh, is patient. Uh, and that's not patience. Uh, therefore, that's not love. That's lust. Uh, you don't really know what love is. Woo! I lost some shouters right there in the building. Too many times what we're calling falling in love is falling in lust. When it's love, it'll be patient. It'll be, what else does it say? Pure. I ain't got time to, to exegete the entire text. Needless to say, he connects with a young lady by the name of Delilah. And it's interesting to note, if you study the etymology of her name, the name Delilah in the original is the, the word Delilah, which means to rot or decay, to cause something to go slack through rotting or decaying. It means that there was a rope that had a nice tight hold, but Delilah caused it to rot away and decayed until it got loose. You know what that tells me? Decay doesn't happen overnight. You don't even know decay is there until it's too late. I'll prove it to some of y'all. Some of y'all didn't even know you had a cavity uh, until your mouth started hurting uh, and you went to the dentist uh, and he said, oh, you got a you've got decay. Uh, I didn't even know it was there. Uh, yeah, it's too late now. It's already eaten its way uh, into you. That's what Delilah represented. Uh, that's what was waiting for him uh, on the other side of Zorah. Uh, that's what was waiting for him. Uh, And he became attracted to something that had a motive to destroy him. Because that's what happens when you get blinded by the influence of the Philistines. 
it becomes a fatal attraction. Attracted to something, I'm drawn to it. And simultaneously, I don't even realize it's killing me. And I don't have time to preach all of it tonight, but you understand that slowly she began to rot and decay his conviction. At first he wouldn't tell her his heart. At first he held his consecration close. At first he, he but the more she pressed him with her words. The Bible says she, she, he became sore vexed with her words. She, she spoke until her words began to cut through. Uh, the Holman Christian Bible says uh, until she wore him out. She kept on and kept on until finally she wore him out. And, I, and I'm just now getting to where I want to preach tonight because some of us need to understand that the enemy's objective at times is not to take you out, it's to wear you out. Ooh, I wish I had a believer in the building that understood. Uh, the enemy knows he's not going to get you to just backslide overnight. Uh, the enemy realizes you're not going to give up your consecration uh, in one night experience. No, 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 no. So he starts working on you a little bit at a time. He's going to find a Delilah connection in your life. Uh, he's going to find something you're not willing to cut off uh, that's eating its way to your walk with God, uh, that's chewing on your heart, uh, that's eating away at your spiritual condition uh, until finally uh, he's able to wear you uh, out. How many of you understand that being worn out is a it, it's a military strategy? Sometimes you can't just go in and take the enemy in one night worth of bombs. So sometimes the strategy is we're just going to wear them out. We're going to keep on because we know they won't last. And we'll just stay constant pressure until we wear them out. Constant pressure until they finally give up. Constant pressure until they finally give in. I just feel like telling somebody tonight, not every battle is worth fighting. There are some battles uh, that are simply designed to wear uh, you uh, out. Uh, you better make up your mind early in your walk with God uh, that not every battle uh, is worth fighting. I know what they said. Uh, it's not a battle worth fighting. Uh, I know what they did. Uh, it's not a battle worth fighting. Uh, I know what to come on, somebody. Uh, there are some battles uh, the way you win uh, is by walking away from them. Uh, the way you win uh, is by not getting involved in I wish I had a church uh, sometimes your greatest display of strength uh, is how well you can walk away uh, from the wrong battles yeah. wear you out I've watched parents get wore out by their kids <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get any amens right here Little kid be like, Mommy, can I? No. A few minutes later, but 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 mom, can I? No. Mom, please. I said no. 
All the moms are quiet tonight. Mom, but you don't understand. No. Mom, can I just say, no, 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 no. But mom, okay, whatever, do it then. Just do it then. Whatever, just, just do what you want to do. Ooh, I know nobody can say amen in the building right now. I know ain't nobody can say amen. Just, just. Listen, Linda. I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. I'm five years late with that one. Where are you out? The Bible talks about a woman who came to the judge every day, every day. And he said, unless by her continual coming, she weary me. And so sometimes that's the agenda of the enemy. I'm preaching to somebody right here. Don't miss this. I know I'm preaching, but then I'm teaching. So don't, don't miss this, the ebb and the flow here of what God's trying to say. There are some of us that the enemy is beating you. Not because he's got you backsliding overnight, but he's wearing you out. And the Bible says that she wore him out with her words. And he finally got so wore out that one day he told her his whole heart. He got so tired. He finally said, you know what? I'm just tired of fighting. When you start including the language of giving up in your speech, beware of tired. Red sirens go off in my mind when I hear saints of God that start saying, I'm just tired of fighting. I'm just tired of the struggle. I'm just tired of the grind. I'm just tired. Be aware of tired because it's in those moments that the enemy puts you in a vulnerable position. It's in those moments that you are at the greatest risk of compromising your walk with God. It's I wish I had a church in the building. It's at those moments that you run the greatest risk of giving up everything that you've worked so hard for in the kingdom of God. It's at those moments that you'll make a decision that you'll live to regret the rest of your life. I'm so tired. I'm tired of arguing. I'm tired of I'm tired of praying about the same thing over and over with no answers. I'm tired of coming to church every week uh, and shouting and dancing uh, and nothing seems to be changing. Uh, I'm just tired. Beware uh, of tired. so tired the Bible says that he lays in the lap of Delilah and falls asleep and it's in that moment that a man who was carrying the promise of God in his life relinquished everything 
because he was tired. A man who was anointed to do great things was overcome by some barber shears. A man who had ripped gates off of cities. A man who had beat an entire army with the jawbone of a donkey was able to be overtaken with the littlest bit of effort when he succumbed to tired. And I came to preach to some people in this building tonight. It is not the will of God for you to keep walking every day in your life uh, succumbing to the dynamics of tired and weariness in your walk with God. I'm preaching to somebody in this house that knows exactly where you've been living. You've been saying the very things that I'm preaching about. I'm just tired of the. I'm just when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? You better hear me my dear brother. You better hear me my dear sister. The the promise of God has not changed and the power of God has not changed and God's hand on you has not changed. You've just exposed yourself for too long to the wrong voices that are convincing you. It was the voice of Delilah. What you're connected to makes the difference. tired. Can I preach tonight? Let me just teach and address some practical things tonight. That when people get weary, their judgment becomes impaired. When you get tired, you don't think like you should be thinking. I just need some honest people in the building that know what I'm talking about. When, when you get tired, your thoughts begin to go astray and, and you don't process things the way uh, that you should. When you get tired, your focus uh, can become blurry. I'm talking about in the physical and the spiritual. There's times I've been so tired that I'm trying to read and, I, and my vision is so blurry that I say, uh, where, where's my glasses? Only to realize that I'm wearing my glasses. Even correctional lenses cannot overcome the effects of tiredness. When somebody has given themselves over to tiredness, it don't matter what you do to try to correct the way they, they look at things the wrong way. They look at scenarios the wrong way. They say, oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. When you become spiritually tired, you see things distorted. The way that you look and perceive things becomes messed up. And you see things not the way they are, but the way your mind wants to tell you that the being where of tired. One of the most dangerous people on the road are people that are tired. Did you know that there is over 100,000 car accidents a year in the United States of America? Due to people driving under the influence of tiredness. 
1,500 fatalities a year because people are operating a vehicle tired. Over 71,000 injuries because people are driving tired. Over 12.5 billion dollars in damages are lost every year because people are driving tired. And I came to preach to somebody tonight that when you continue to operate your life under the influence of tiredness, you are on your way to disaster. It's only a matter of time before you go off the road. It's only a matter of time before you wreck. It's only a matter, come on, I'm preaching to somebody. You can't keep operating in your life under the influence of the spirit of weariness and tiredness. In extreme cases of weariness and tiredness, people begin to hallucinate. I thought I saw something run across the road. Ain't nobody going to say amen in the building. Whoa, what was that? I thought the trees were coming. Roll the window down. The same thing happens in the spiritual. When people come to church depleted of all their resources, begin to see things that don't even exist. Create scenarios that aren't even there. Start responding and reacting to things in ways that... Give me scripture. I'm glad you asked. Just take a look at John the Baptist in the prison house. When he sends word back to Jesus and he says, I, I got a question I need you to ask him. Ask him if he's the one or do I look for another what what kind of a question is that John hold on a second John just a few chapters ago uh, when nobody knew who he was uh, and he came to the river uh, you're the one that pointed at him uh, and said behold uh, the Lamb of God uh, which taketh away uh, the sins of the world uh, and now uh, you're wondering if he's really the one uh, I'll tell you what was happening uh, he was under duress uh, he was under stress uh, he was wore out uh, he was tired uh, and if if you're not careful, uh, the very foundation uh, of your walk with God uh, can be shaken uh, under the influence of tired. I'm just teaching tonight. One of the signs, oftentimes, of spiritual tiredness is people start dropping out of kingdom commitments. They start reprioritizing their life in a way that the kingdom of God no longer is a preeminence in my life. And oftentimes, Brother Eddie, what I'll hear is, I just don't have time anymore. 
No, 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 no. You, you have the same amount of time you've always had. The problem is you're moving things into an order of priority that weren't there before. There's some other things in your life uh, that you've now lifted up uh, as being more important than things uh, in the, come on, I'm preaching to somebody uh, in the, I'm just tired uh, of doing this uh, over and over. That's because somebody and somewhere you're trying to carry out the work of the spirit uh, in the arm of the flesh. Woo, I know it's going to get quiet up in here tonight. I, I, I can't do this any longer. I, I can't do that any longer. And so, ain't it something that when people get under pressure and duress, the first thing they let go of is kingdom commitments. They don't let go of their hobby. I'll preach to this side over here. Maybe I could find some honest people on this side. They, they don't let go of their hobby. Somehow they still have time. Somehow they still haven't got tired uh, of playing video games. I, I don't have time to run a bus route, uh, uh, but I'm still spending two hours a day uh, playing Mortal Kombat. How come when we're under duress, uh, we don't start letting go of the things in the world uh, and say, I ain't got time for that anymore. Uh, I ain't got time for this anymore. Uh, I, come on, I'm preaching to somebody uh, because you're operating uh, with a spiritual influence uh, of weariness in your life. I just, ooh, I've been so busy. I, I'm just so tired. I can't, no, 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 no. You keep staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning playing games. That's why you're late every day. You're dismissed. We can... No, no, no. Don't be fronting that you're so tired because you got so much responsibility. No, 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 no. The enemy has just tricked you uh, into trading trinkets for treasures. Uh, and you're taking your valuable time uh, and you're squandering it away uh, on things that don't even matter uh, and have no redemptive value uh, and don't contribute to it. You've been under the influence of Delilah for way too long. What you need to do is tell Delilah, I ain't got time for you anymore. You're a distraction to my walk with God. You're a hindrance to what God wants to do in my life. I'm preaching to somebody. Beware of what you're calling tired. You could put whatever you want in that variable. The enemy knows he can't knock you out. So instead he tries to wear you out. I just, I just don't feel like coming to church. I'm tired. I just don't feel like coming to, to prayer. I'm, I'm so tired. You're so tired you made it to work for eight hours. But can't make it to prayer for one hour. I'm preaching better than 90% of y'all are shouting tonight. 
So tired, I work 10 hours at my job. You know what that tells God? Uh, that your job is more important than he is. Uh, that uh, Come on, somebody. I need some people to, to get with the word of the Lord in this place tonight. Uh, do you know what you're declaring? Uh, is that you believe more in the labor of your hands uh, than you do in Jehovah Jireh, your provider. You need to have a made-up mind. I don't care what happens. Uh, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. I thank God for some men in this place uh, that have the revelation. Uh, you know what? I might have to come to church in my work clothes, uh, but you better believe I'm going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, uh, and I'm going to enter into his courts uh, with, come on, somebody. Uh, I may have to show up late, uh, but baby, you can count my name. Uh, I'm going to be there. I don't know how many times Brother Daniel's coming here stinking like, woo. Sister Renee wouldn't even let him in the house like that. But bless God, I'm going to make it to the house of God. Come on, when you look at that attendance record, I want my name to be on it. I want to be counted faithful. I want God to know this is my priority. I want God to know that church is not duty, it's devotion. I want God to know I'm not here because I have to. I'm here because I want to be. I want God to come on somebody. And when I get here, I'm not going to sit on the pew and take a nap with a frown on my face. I'm going to give God the praise. And when I get to church, I'm not going to sit on my phone scrolling through social media. I'm going to give God the praise. And when I get to the house of God, I'm not going to spend the service text messaging everybody else. I'm going to give God my very best. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Beware of tired. Listen, I've been living for God now for over 30 years of my life, 32 years. And I promise you, I've had plenty of ups and plenty of downs. I've walked through lots of valleys, hard times, difficult times, extreme times, but I came to tell you I'm more excited about living for God today than I have ever been in my life. Come on, I, I need some new converts uh, to hear me good. Uh, don't you open your ears uh, to saints of God uh, who try to tell you, oh, uh, it'll last for a little while. Uh, you, you'll get used to it like the rest of us. Uh, oh, you'll be excited for a little while. It, uh, it'll wear off. Uh, don't you listen to them. Uh, they're a voice of the enemy trying to influence you. Uh, baby, every year gets better and better. Uh, I wish I had a witness in this place. Uh, every year it gets it's bigger and better and brighter and more exciting. I came to tell the devil I'm not tired yet. I've been living for Jesus a long time and I'm not tired. As a matter of fact, I'm just getting started, Brother Hammond. I'm trying to figure out how I can pray more, how I can give more, how I can win. Come on, somebody. You got to beware of the spirit of tired. Hey. 
Somebody say, I'm not tired yet. I know your body says you are, but you need to declare I'm not tired yet. Woo! I can't preach all this tonight. I'm hurrying up. I'm, 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 I'm coming to a close. Here's what I want to preach to somebody tonight. I felt this in the Holy Ghost. Galatians 6 and 9 says this. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season ye shall reap. There's a clause here. If, somebody say if, you faint not. If you don't give up. If you don't get tired and throw in the towel. There's only one condition. You can't give up. You can't throw in the towel. I just need to preach to a few people in the building and remind you there's a due season that's coming your way. Come on, Brother JJ, help me out. I know you can. See, here's another example. Where's he at? He came straight from work. No tie, no suit. But he said, I'm going to be, come on, Brother JJ, jump on this organ. He said, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. I came to preach to somebody tonight. You've got a due season with your name on it. I know you've been working. I know you've been plowing. I know you've been waiting. I know the journey's been long and the sun is been hotter but I came to preach to you it might not look like you're getting any results and it might not look like it's successful but God sent me tonight to tell you you're gonna reap if you feign not I love this scripture. Number one is it it is an agricultural context. And the context of of the text is that well doing can often cause a sense of weariness. Be not weary in well doing. And the second clause of the text explains what causes the weariness it's because the planter has not yet seen the fruition of his work he got a seed and he found a place in the ground and he dug a hole and he put the seed in the ground and he buried the seed and he watered the seed and he fertilized the seed and he pulled the weeds and he went out every day looking for that thing to spring up but you know what it wasn't due season and one thing that causes weariness is when you don't have a revelation of due season But I came to remind you that every farmer understands you don't plant a seed and go out the very next day expecting to get the result of what you planted the day before. There's a season of of seed time and a 
of harvest. And in that moment, when the seed is buried, you can no longer, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. When the seed is buried, you can't even see the promise any longer. The promise isn't even visible to you. All you know is you did what God said to do. And you get up and keep pouring water on what looks like dry dirt. And you keep pulling weeds. And it doesn't, but what you don't understand is that beyond your vision, there's a root that's breaking out of a seed. And there's a root that's digging down into the soil. And before it ever comes up, it first has to go down. And I came to preach to somebody, don't get tired because what's coming up has been on its way down. And the deeper it goes, the higher it's going to get. God sent me to encourage somebody in this house tonight. Beware of tired. The temptation of the text is to get tired of taking care of something that looks like it's not producing results. I can't get an amen in the building. The temptation of the text is to give up and stop taking care of something because it looks like it's not producing results. But what God wants us to know is that there is a due season attached to that seed that went into the ground. And if you'll stay faithful through the season of nothing, I just need somebody to shout over nothing right now. What are you shouting over nothing? What are you shouting over nothing? What are you excited about? Nothing. Because nothing is going to be something. If I keep on believing God, if I keep on staying faithful, I came to preach to somebody. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on shouting. Keep on giving. Stay faithful to God. Your due season is on the way. Somebody ought to shout on this Tuesday night. Somebody ought to jump up out of your seat on this Tuesday night and let the devil know I'm not tired yet. Somebody ought to jump up on your feet and let hell know I'm not walking away from God's promise. I'm not walking away from God's promise. I'm not walking away from his word. I'm not walking away. He that has begun a work in you shall perform it. I came to preach to somebody that God's going to finish what he started. He's not just Alpha. He's Omega. He's not just the beginning. He's the ending. He's not just the first, but he's the last. Give him a praise. Come on. I'm not tired. I'm just getting started.
day and a shout over something uh. that looks like nothing. Woo. There's something under the ground. There's something you can't see. I've got a word. I've got a promise. Woo! Go shy. You've got a hand clap of praise tonight.